0: Today on Chase Wildly, one of my favorite conversations to date with Svetlana Saitsky, who is a life coach, an artist, a person who is always exploring the human experience. She has dedicated her life to helping others break through their self-limitations. We explore the voices in our heads, the stories that we tell ourselves, and how to rewrite those stories into marvelous, heroic journeys that can become your life. Let's go. How do you feel about setting some intentions for this conversation? Love it. I would like, I would like to set one intention, and I'd love to hear your intention mm-hmm. for it. My intention is that we have a conversation which we connect mm-hmm. and which we're really listening to one another and um, able to learn something in this experience.
1: Mm, beautiful.
2: Let's see. I would like to set the intention of surprise i want to surprise myself and yeah just just have a new type of conversation because we've had so many beautiful and meaningful conversations already that i i want something completely new to emerge just organically
0: yes Mm -hmm. gorgeous (laughs) gorgeous Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's start with the not surprising side and and see where it goes. And for that, I just want to, I actually don't think I've asked you this particular question. I know a bit of your story, but I want to hear first how you got into coaching. Mm. What led you to become a coach?
2: Mm. Yes. Oh, it's actually a great little story. Uh, so when I was 21 years old, I had my first ever corporate job out of college. I graduated from business school. I had a job offer. I declined it and I traveled for a few months. And when I got back to, I was in DC at the time, I all I wanted to do was somehow Get abroad again. That was my vision: is I want to be abroad. I don't know how or where even. So I found a job at a translation company that had fifty offices all over the world, thinking somehow I'm going to work in one of those offices.
0: Yes, yeah, great idea.
2: I thought so too. So, uh, yeah, the company was called TransPerfect, and it was the world's largest private translation company at the time. So I start working, and I was doing extremely well. I was in business development. It was always so easy for me to talk to people and be curious and connect. And within four months of me working there, I found out about an opportunity to open up a Sydney, Australia office. I jumped all over it. I literally remember going to my VP being like, I want to open that office. And he was like, who are you? You're like, you've been here for a minute. And I remember saying, just give me, give me a few uh, goals, you know? So what that I've been here for a few months, if you let's make it fair. If I achieve the goals, I think I should be able to go. So he gave me my five goals. I achieved them. I opened up that Sydney office. So I got to do some super cool stuff in that job. But at the same time, being in a sales environment, it was so competitive. It was so fear-based. That was the first time I really Mm. got a taste of corporate America and what it was like kind of the dark side of it. I found myself being super stressed out. I was working, you know, 10 plus hour days. I was always feeling like it wasn't enough. And it was around that time that my boss told me that her husband was becoming a life coach. And I remember thinking, "Whoa, like I instantly was like drawn to that even name, life coach. What does that mean?" And I did a little Googling and I found Uh, a school called CTI, the Coaches Training Institute. It was one of the first things that appeared on Google. And I remember I Mm -hmm. called them.
0: Google has a lot of power in that way. A lot of power.
2: (laughs) But it was so funny because I called CTI. I got this wonderful woman named Carla on the phone. And I remember sitting in my parents' house in the kitchen, speaking to Carla, and just having this incredible conversation about me and my life and what i love and what's important to me and how i was into psychology and transformation and i wanted to help people and i remember her saying to me do you sound like you would be an incredible coach and at that time because i was in sales i had the story that everybody was selling everybody so i was like oh they're just trying to sell me cut to 10 years later i'm living in san francisco i had been working at google i was thinking that i was at like the top of the mountain. Mm. I finally got to Google the greatest place to work in the world. And I was (laughs) writing articles for Great Place to Work Institute and delivering happiness and Zappos. And I was just so into this idea of culture building and still studying, by the way, business and psychology and mm. what makes people happy at work i got so fascinated with that back in trans perfect all these years i've been thinking about coaching and after google and after i left google and after i realized that wow even at the greatest place to work there was a lot of fear and there was a lot of things that i wanted to change in that company i finally thought you know what i wanna i gotta i gotta go back to cti and i called them and guess who i got
0: no carla answered carla. The phone.
2: And she says to me, I remember you. And I say, I remember you. And I remember I was at Contraband, my coffee shop in San Francisco where I spent all my time.
0: What up, Contraband? Yeah,
2: Contraband. But really, and I remember thinking to myself, oh my God, it took me 10 years to do the thing I've always known I was supposed to do and how crazy that was that I'd always known it. I felt it, I found him. But the beauty is that who I became in those 10 years, made me, I think, such a more powerful coach. So it all happened in the right time. And that was about six years ago. So now I've been coaching part-time for about six years and full-time for two, but that I just can't believe that I got the same woman on the phone and she remembered me and I remembered her and no one was trying to sell me. It was just, she saw something in me. She felt something in me that was so genuinely there. And I just didn't trust it yet because I had my own saboteur
0: Well, and you needed, it sounds sounds like you needed all that experience and that reflection from these different environments in corporate America and Silicon Valley to really give you that certainty that, yes, this needs to be done, and yes, I'm the one to do it.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And you know what's so funny? I didn't even have certainty as much as I just knew at that point that I had to follow my gut. Mm. Like, I was still afraid. It was uncertain. I didn't know what was going to happen. I remember going into my first coaching course and just being like, all right, I I don't really know. But I remember leaving that course and being like, holy shit. Yes, this is it. Like, I found my tribe. It wasn't that I just even found my work. The people who I met in that first weekend, I just, they were my people. We thought the same. We felt the same we we really felt like a community and so i knew at that point that i don't know how this is going to go and i don't know how i'm going to make a successful business or do this full-time or anything it was still tons of uncertainty but so much just deep knowing that i had to i had to do it
0: yes yes what's you said i knew i had to listen to my gut what does that even mean? Mm. I mean, why didn't you listen to your gut the first time, I guess? And what was different the second time? Yeah, that's
2: such a great question. I think I often think about what's even the difference between like when it's your gut and when it's just your head talking to you or when it's your heart. and, And how do you know where the messages are coming from? And I still have moments where it's a little confusing, but mostly now I can say, you know... How I know is a feeling comes and goes sometimes. You know, I feel things all the time. I get excited around different people. I get excited around different experience. A gut feeling is something that just doesn't go away. Mm. I feel like it's like that, almost like that roommate That is like always around, sitting on the couch, hanging out with you. And you're like, why don't you leave? And they're just always like, it's a thought or a feeling or, yeah, a deeper type of thing that just keeps staying with you. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of us have those feelings often. Something draws us. It might be a person. It might be a career. It might be a place. But we don't trust it for some reason. And the reason I didn't trust it when I was 21, was because I had a voice in my head that I hadn't understood, hadn't gotten to know yet that was afraid, that was saying, you're too young to be a coach. How are you going to coach anyone? You're 21 years old. What do you know? Mm, And I listened to that voice as the truth because I hadn't learned yet that actually a lot of what the voices in our heads say is a lie.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. When did you begin to learn that? Because that, I mean, that's a process that I am still in the midst of and, and a realization that I came came to just a couple of years ago in the midst of, of really deep depression. Mm. Um, and you and I really began a, a close relationship at that time. Yeah. But how did you come to that realization?
2: Yeah, well, actually, it was through coaching. I think I always had a sense that, wait a minute, maybe my thoughts are not the truth like maybe there's more but i i didn't put context to it until i was in my coaching courses and you know i believe it was a course called fulfillment all about tapping into this idea of your your kind of higher self or your captain or kind of whatever word you want to use this this idea that there is a part of us that knows kind of our essence our truth and then there's a lot of other parts I like this analogy of, you know, captain and crew. Imagine that you as a person are a ship. You are a ship that is sailing from one part of the world to another. And in order to get from one part of the world to another across the ocean, you're going to need a captain on the ship and you're going to need the crew. The captain needs the crew and the crew needs the captain. Everyone has their place. There might be a crew member who's the entertainer. There might be the crew member who's the chef. There might be the lawyer. There might be all these different characters that are really necessary. And yet, without the captain at the helm of that ship, you might steer into an iceberg, as we do in life, metaphorically. Yeah. Now, with this captain and crew analogy, also one of the members is called a saboteur. It's basically this part of our psyche that is mostly driven by fear. It's that voice that usually says something like, oh, that's not going to work. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, I'm not smart enough. Oh, I'm not enough of this or that. Or flip side, God, I'm too loud. I'm too aggressive. Mm. I'm too fat. I'm too stupid. Whatever. And when I got conscious of the fact that, oh my God, maybe this is just a part of my psyche. That's not me. That's not, I thought that voice was me. I thought that was the truth that I was too young and inexperienced. I really believed it. So for me, it was first learning this concept that, wow, there's just a part of me that, by the way, thinks it's trying to protect me. That saboteur fear comes from a really natural place of like, we have fear for a reason. You know, back in the day when we were running away from tigers, we had real reason to be afraid. Yeah. Now, we still have this almost conditioned response based on fear, but often it just, it does steer us off a cliff. There's a mm. little hint of truth usually in the saboteur. There's something, I call it the 2% truth, that, for example, I was a bit young when I was first interested in coaching. And so, there was some part of me that knew that. Maybe I need more experience. But telling myself, you're too young and stupid to do this, that wasn't effective. That just mm-hmm. tore me down and made me feel right, just terrible. So, that's when it really started to shift. I got to know my saboteur. Mm-hmm. I named her Regina, like the mean girl from the movie Mean Girls. She <laughs> was this totally just mean and kind of just nasty insecure girl who always had something really just yeah just mean to say to me whenever i got excited about something she'd come in and be like no that's not gonna happen Mm -hmm. and i think i've listened to her my whole life thinking that was the truth
0: that was wisdom or that That was was that was truth within you yeah
2: and i can let me tell you the biggest shift in my life has been realizing that that is a lie. It's just not true. I don't have to live guided by fear. I could live guided by inspiration, guided by curiosity, guided by mm. love, uh, adventure, knowledge, whatever, but not. I don't wanna live based on a voice of
0: fear. Yeah. And like you said, there was this realization that you are all these different things together, that you're all these many different pieces, all these people on the ship. Mm -hmm. And I think that's beautiful because when you can really visualize it, when you can see the quality of each one of those people, you can A, have compassion for the little fearful saboteur part of you and learn to listen to the more inspiring you know, curiosity or a creative part of you.
2: Absolutely. I think one of the most beautiful aspects of getting to know your crew is appreciating, it's like a kaleidoscope. I like to look at it as a human kaleidoscope. All the colors are beautiful and they're all necessary. You know, I have a crew member who I call upon for business ventures and a crew member that I call upon when I'm on an adventure because she's super just like crazy and does anything and isn't afraid. There's, there's so many parts of me. And I think, tell me if you can relate to this, but I've often been so confused by, gosh, but I'm like super shy sometimes, but then sometimes I'm super outgoing and sometimes I'm really adventurous and sometimes I don't want to do anything. I just want to lay in bed. Oh, How yeah. can I be that same person? How am I the same person when I feel so differently in so many different situations? And yet that's helped me understand like, oh, I can be all of it and none of it.
0: Yeah, well, I can totally relate to that. And my experience with that was one of total resistance. And what I mean by that is I really didn't like that I couldn't trust myself. Mm. And what I mean by that was my mind or my ego or some part of me really just wanted to pin down, okay, Chase, who are you? Make up your mind, who you are, and stick to it and stop fucking around. And that part of me that wanted to just pin it down didn't want to allow all the paradoxes that exist within me. And, and so I found myself fighting myself in all these ways. Mm. And it took a lot to come around to... Accepting that and seeing that it's a beautiful thing and that it's a gift um, to have all these nuanced, different, contrary parts. But it can be maddening. It can be confusing unless you can step back and see it not all as you, but as a part of you.
2: I love that word paradox that you bring up because I thought about that too. I was just like, I am legitimately the biggest paradox. How, how can I be the most shy and most outgoing person I've ever met? Mm. Also, for me, this really came... Just, just this became a huge thing when I experienced a huge bout of depression about five years ago. You know, I'd kind of experienced a little bit of it throughout my life, but never something that like felt like a tidal wave that knocked me over where I completely became incapacitated. I mean, I went from being the most sort of vibrant person I'd ever known to not being able to get out of bed. And that's right. literally something that I would like when I heard about those cases, mm. I sort of. Had a judgment. I think I thought, oh, well, those people, like, aren't trying hard enough or something. Mm-hmm. I, I never understood. Right. They
0: need to watch another Gary Vee video yeah. and just hustle a little bit. Or harder. meditate. You yeah. know, <laughs> go to
2: yoga. Oh, my God. And, and it was so scary. And that's when I really thought, oh, my God, this is me now. Like, and that's what scared me so much, thinking, oh, I'm now this really depressed, sad, pathetic person. And... Hmm the the beautiful thing now and why i'm so grateful for all those moments those long moments that i had in that space is i got to know a part of me i call her lucy mm. and she's always been there but she's never really gotten the microphone i never got to know a little sad scared girl inside because frankly I was told to be strong I, I grew up in a Russian Jewish household it was like you got it and we're immigrants you know mm-hmm. My, I was always told you're strong you're great you go you're powerful do it I was never told oh feel your feelings and 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 be gentle and sensitive so I never let that part of me that was sad or scared I never gave her attention and I think she needed it so much that she decided to get it yeah. I always describe that as, like, it feels like I was having a dinner party constantly, and I was inviting all these different aspects of myself. So, like, inspiration showed up at the door, and I let her in. And joy showed up, and ambition showed up. And then suddenly sadness showed up, and I was like, no, 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 no. You're no.
0: like, no, no, you're not invited. Yeah,
2: literally. I was like, you're not invited. Anger, you're not invited. It's like
0: the movie Carrie, you yeah. know? Like, the total outcast in high school, and then she goes buck wild, and everyone's going to fucking pay for yes,
2: it. Yes, they came. They showed up. depression. Anger, jealousy, showed up at the door, knocked down the fucking door, took everyone hostage, put bandanas around our mouths. We couldn't speak. And they took over the fucking dinner party. And we were all sitting there tied up. And the only thing that I heard for a good year was that depressive, sad, confused, angry, I hated the world. I didn't understand. I didn't want to be in the world anymore. But again... I needed to discover that shadow. This is what, you know, Jungian uh, psychology, which by the way I've had a now therapist that I've worked with for 5 years, who who again gave me so much context to what was happening. I was entering my Saturn return. It's a time of life, usually between 28 and 33 that you really discover this other aspect of your being, this shadow. And when I say shadow, it doesn't mean it's dark. It just means it's in the dark. So you don't know it yet. Mm -hmm. I discovered parts of myself that have been dormant, waiting for me to give them some love. So that's the other part. I learned to love Lucy. Like when she shows up now, I'm so welcoming to her. I know her. I know how she feels. I know what she wants. And I don't push her away anymore. I never shut the door in her face because I know how powerful she can be if she wants to get my attention. So I give it to her a lot more willingly and honestly the more I do that the less she seems to come around
0: Mm, what does that look like what does it look like let's talk about that process because I think this is a process that I've gone through is acknowledging my sadness is acknowledging these things I thought I wasn't allowed to feel and certainly not allowed to express growing up and and so now it, it is about, okay, what's the new relationship that I can have with this part of myself? So how does that actually manifest to you when how do you see Lucy coming or how do you experience that coming? And then what do you do with that? Mm.
2: Yeah, you know, for me, I uh, I'm someone who like I'll wake up in the morning and I'll instantly tune into like, oh, okay, how am I? Usually it takes me a good hour to be fully awake. So I, so, so I, I definitely feel, you know, Lucy shows up as I, I have lower energy. Hmm. Uh I, I have this sort of irri- irritation, like everything irritates me. Everyone irritates me. Hmm. Like everyone and everything, the way people speak, what they say, I'll go outside and I'll, I'll notice people are kind of frowning. Like I just see the world as sort of. there's like a a heaviness. And the thing is it it happens sometimes, absolutely for no reason. It's not only triggered, like, sometimes in life, it makes sense we get a little sad, God forbid, you know, someone dies, someone gets hurt, someone, you know, something, we see a really sad movie, or hear like, there's things that can trigger feelings of sadness or anger. And sometimes it just comes like a wave. I, I really love this metaphor of It's just like you watch the ocean and some waves are just really big and some are small, but they keep coming. And for me, my emotions have always just been up and down. I've been dealing with this my whole life. I just never really understood it. I was always sort of fascinated. I read journals sometimes of myself. For the past 15 years, I'm saying the same thing. Now, again, I have more info and experience, so it makes so much more sense. But Lucy, just when she shows up now also, like when I get a little down and when I feel sad for no reason... I usually just, like, hug myself. I'll put on, like, a warm sweater. I'll make some tea. I I have this cute little couch that I have in my apartment. I'll, like, snuggle up with a blanket. And I just, like, love on myself a little more. And that is so much better than how I was first showing up when it came around. Which and was just, how was that? Yeah. Oh, it was just, like... Fuck, what's wrong? How do I get out of here? Yeah, go get away. Out, get out. Go get out. away. I don't want you. Why are you here again? I want to be happy. Mm-hmm. I want to be good.
0: What's wrong with you?
2: Oh, yeah. What's wrong? What's wrong with me? It's like, God, judgment and fear mm-hmm. and just, uh an irritation with that part. Um, where, I, you know, I tried to. Go out, for example, like if I sometimes I I, I'm an ambivert. I love people. I need people. And sometimes I need to just be alone. I've also embraced taking time and just being by myself. Nothing wrong with that. I don't force myself to go out if I'm not in a mood. If Lucy is hanging out with me, all she wants to do is sit on the couch, maybe with a friend and sort of just be there, talk, cry, drink tea. I don't want to be out with anyone Mm -hmm. you know and I allow myself to have that time I don't make myself I don't believe in forcing you know there's a quote that says when you fight with reality you always lose I don't know who said it but I love it we fight with our reality so hard and then we're wondering why we're in that friction
0: yeah I think I think everything that we've touched on so far is a way of saying that part of maturing at least in your life and I think in my life too, has been about learning to listen to a language, learning a language that's already there, which has to do with our body, which has to do with differentiating the voices in our head that come to us. Um, and, and all these signals that have always been there, but I had yet to learn how to speak with them and how to listen to them.
2: Mm. Absolutely. And you know what else just comes to mind is I realized one of the biggest things that I realized in the last five years, which I'm 33 now, so this was kind of beginning of my, quote, Saturn return to the end, is I realized that where I got really triggered and got really thrown into these parts of my shadow that I hadn't discovered was in my relationships with men. Mm. And I said to myself, because what really triggered partially what what led to that depression was I was in a relationship with a man that I really loved and it it ended it didn't work out the way I imagined there was no happily ever after and when that ended I said to myself you know what I want to invite men into my life that are gonna teach me and heal me and allow me to embrace my own masculinity and my own femininity and all of me and and I don't want to be drained anymore by the males in my life. I want to be inspired by them. And holy shit, the men that have come into my life throughout the last five years have legitimately, I think, saved my life. They've been my healers. They've been my best friends. They've been my lovers. They've been my teachers. And I it's amazing I'm I'm sort of still in awe women too I have to say but I've always had women in my life but the men something maybe about I don't know if it's an age thing or just the fact that I set Mm. that intention and really asked the universe I I said I want men who are gonna like who can help me embody some of this more masculine stuff that I don't even understand but I Mm. wanted to understand it so that's been such a trip
0: Yes. What does it mean to you when you say some of the masculine stuff? What is the stuff that you've found yourself growing in yourself and you've found really embodied by these people who have come mm. into your life?
2: Yeah, well, you know, even for me when I reflect on how I've worked in the in the business world, for example, I was always uber aggressive. I would go after, I would negotiate, for example, my salary always. I oh. remember reading somewhere that Women don't do that as much as men. I always did that. I always walked into the room. I said what I wanted to say. I asked for what I wanted. And people would often say to me, like, wow, you're like acting like a man. You're acting like a dude. And I was like, why is that being manly or duty? The doodly. I was like, is, why isn't that just being confident? So I just started realizing like, wow, this is considered masculine and this, this is considered feminine. Another way that this was starting to appear was in the coaching work I was doing. I was realizing, oh my God, I have a lot of male characters in me. I had like the Johnny Depp character who was like this adventurous sort of dude. And I had, uh, I started realizing who are these men in my life? I, I ended up meeting a Dharma teacher who just changed my life. He was the most incredible spiritual mentor, but he was also Russian and really funny and kind of ridiculous. And just, the, you know, meeting a man, he was a bit older than me also, so he had experience. There was my, one of my dearest friends, Robert, who was just like, I always say he taught me the meaning of love, right? Like, mm-hmm. I just started realizing, man, I like so much about these men who are appearing. They're strong, kind of in that way that I imagine men to be, kind of in a more traditional manly way. Like, Robert, for example, like, has these huge, beautiful hands that he builds things with. And I always yeah. think of that as a really manly quality. And yet, he taught me more about, you know, spirituality and love and connection and consciousness than anyone I'd ever met and those were things that I always considered more like gentle feminine qualities so I started meeting men who had aspects of femininity to them Mm. that brought out my own but that also made me more comfortable to be more masculine in myself and not hold it back or hide it because I'm a woman so I'm supposed to be a certain way I don't like you know I didn't like being told oh you're you you sound like a man like what does that mean
0: yeah yeah. I think with everything in life, you know, like with our parents for example, we either exaggerate ourselves in response to them, like in revolt from them, or we become like them. Mm-hmm. And I think in that same way, you know, if if someone's telling us that we're not masculine enough or we feel not masculine enough, we may over exaggerate what we think that needs to mean. Or the same with our feminine side whether you're a man or a woman or whatever mm-hmm. you identify with you know this tendency to to feel insecure in some aspect of ourselves to say oh i'm not a, i'm not masculine enough or i'm not assertive enough or i don't have this quality and therefore i'm going to just you know slam the world with it mm. which is very different than finding a love for to, to looking inside yourself and saying okay well how Assertive am I Mm
1: -hmm. Where's
0: that level That I'm really Comfortable with Mm -hmm. And maybe it's Way out there I mean people Are way out there You're a super High energy person You love to love You love to put Your hands on people And I love all These things about you But we're also Very different In a lot of ways I mean I, I sort of have this l- little more low-key energy, yeah. you know. Yeah. But it's been a process to sort of find that. For a lot of times I mm-hmm. I try to be even more, mm-hmm. i try to be even more manly and more powerful and more assertive. And that did me and everyone around me at this service. Mm. So I think your reflection of your life of a calling in these people, I think that's really cool that you did just setting an intention of, hey these are the type of people universe that I want in my life. And then using all of those experiences to really explore, okay, here, yeah, okay, here are the men that I want in my life. And wow, what I thought was masculinity maybe is something a little different. Mm. And that really allows me to see myself in a new way.
2: Mm. I love discovering that what I thought was masculinity is actually a lot different. I mean, we are, that again, coming back to the kaleidoscope of humanity. I mean, I just, sometimes as a woman, you know, you just want a man's perspective. You know, like if you're dating someone and you're having things come up in your relationship, sometimes it's just nice to have, like, how often have we talked about, like, oh,
0: yeah, (laughs) I I mean, I really, let's acknowledge that, I think we come from different universes just based <laughs> on the fact that you're a woman and I'm a man. Yeah. At the same time, we have so much in common yeah. and are universally the same light. you know. Yeah. So, it, yeah, there's nothing more... To get that validation from a woman in my life is so important in so many ways. Just the perspective, hey, I'm having this problem in a relationship. What's going on? What am I not seeing? Mm,
2: yeah, and that's amazing. You know, it's funny. I, I've i had not... Y- y- yes, that I have attracted these very amazing men and partners and friends in the last five years, but I've had a lot of close male friends my whole life. A lot of my best friends actually were men. That was another reason that I was so curious about my own, quote, masculinity, because I was attracting men a lot of the time just platonically too Mm. and i had a best friend in college named kenny and we would just you know sit and smoke cigarettes and drink coffee on the stoop and just talk about life and i loved being able to tell him about these guys i was dating and ask him questions and he'd always You know, give me a perspective that I just didn't think about. I just didn't imagine that he processes that way. And I did the same thing for him with his girl questions and problems. And so I've always loved, again, it's just another perspective. We are all Mm. so similar. And yet we are different. Women, Men, different types of women, different types of men. Again, we're all differently tuned into different energies within ourselves. And depending on where you are in that spectrum, you're going to have a completely different perspective on everything. So it's so cool to share it and hear it. Especially, I'd say, I really value those platonic relationships because when you throw sex into the equation, it does change things. Mm -hmm. It just, I think, more emotions get heightened. There's just a different... I don't know why even I'm so curious... That's another thing that's fun to explore with men is like, what happens when we throw in intimacy and vulnerability, not even with sex, but just in general in relationships? Why does that change things so Mm -hmm. much? Because both of us are maybe not tuned into our full selves and our masculine and our feminine side to be able to even show up lovingly.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, my theory on that is that intimacy, right, which sex is maybe one of the most intimate acts that we can have with another person in this world, is intimacy is really just getting closer to the mirror, Mm. is seeing yourself closer. So you get deeper into that shadow. Mm. You're going, you're literally going deeper into the shadow. So that's when... That little demon of jealousy, who's on your ship too, comes out from below deck, mm. and possessiveness comes out from below deck. The things yeah. that aren't often there because regular life doesn't ask of them much, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. then sex comes in, and gosh, don't even get us started on the historical weight that we carry of, you know, all the tragedies around sexuality, um, different mm. kinds of bigotry and rape, and yeah. you know, thousands of years that that epigenetics is now showing us we bring these things from our parents and ancestors yeah. you know so you you get closer to this mirror that then shows you these demons that are lurking there mm. and makes everything scary or bigger or something else than what it was the moment before you you had sex with this person yeah
2: and also i think what happens is when you have that mirror and you see yourself if you haven't done the work To really see yourself before, it can be really overwhelming. Like now Mm. I'm being reflected even beautiful things about me. Someone looks at you with those amazing eyes and loves you. If you don't love yourself, you literally don't know how to receive that kind of attention. And that freaks people out.
0: That can be terrifying.
2: To and have I've that been kind there. of
0: attention and love shown yeah. on you. Yeah. Because it's a light. Love is this enormous light. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're on stage and if you hate yourself yeah. or parts of yourself, yeah. and now they're just brilliant in front of the crowd mm-hmm. is how it can feel in that moment, right? Yeah. You're, yeah, scared or yeah. resistant.
2: Yeah. And that's Other why it's so powerful up. too, because it, can, it really can transform. Like mm. if you, let's say, you know, like... One of the things that i love about people that i love is their quirks like the really like some of their stuff that they probably don't really love but i'm like oh but that's what makes you so weird and special and i love it and i know that when people have loved my quirks or weird parts at first i was like wait why why would you love that i don't love that but it's it's helped me transform my own relationship to parts of me that I haven't loved before. I mm-hmm. think that's why love is so powerful and that's why being seen, allowing yourself to be seen is one of the most I think brave things. Both being seen, you know, physically, emotionally, intellectually, creatively to share your art with the world, for example, I mean even doing this like to yeah. put your words into the world to to really just be naked like that is scary Mm -hmm. because then it's like, well, what are people going to think? And we're all obsessed with what people think about us. Oh yeah. So that's a whole other thing is like how, I think shifting the relationship to that has been a really big thing for me. And in people who I see, I think it's sort of like going from a youth to adulthood, I think is partially about shedding some of that attachment to really not giving a shit what people really think of you. But that's easier said than done.
0: Sure, way easier said than done. But I think you're absolutely right. That's an enormous aspect of it. Because you can do all the work in the world, but if you're afraid to... And all the work in the world of figuring out who you are, that's great. But if you're afraid to go out and show the world that, you're still going to be living in this angst. Because I, I think... Part of the meaning of life is not just to expose that to yourself, but then to give yourself Mm. to the earth and to community, whatever that is, whatever you unearth there.
2: Yeah. Well, that's why, honestly, that's why I love coaching as much as I do. The more I've gotten coached and the Mm. more I coach, I think the biggest thing that happens for people consistently that I see, because everyone has different goals and dreams that they're going after, but I think what I've gotten is I am so much more comfortable with who I am, all of me, all the, the light, the shadow, the dark, the weird, the, the, the talent, the, the mess. And the more you become comfortable, truly rooted, grounded, and this is me, this is the way mm-hmm. I am, the more I can show up in the world and share and be and love because I'm not putting on a show so much to be loved, I'm just sharing, being, and trusting that who loves me, loves me. It's like that Rumi quote, I love who you seek is seeking you or what you seek is seeking you. I really trust that. I feel like the right people, the right opportunities are looking for you just as much as you're looking for them. And it's when you have that synergy that it's like that magic moment, but you have to be aware to not miss it because we miss moments of magic all the freaking time. that is sad.
0: That's so sad. I mean, every moment has has the opportunity to be magic if we're looking at it through that lens or if we're just paying attention Mm -hmm. or if we're living with gratitude. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about this concept of being courageous enough to share. You Mm -hmm. said it's something that you have worked on Mm -hmm. and it's something that's come up both in your coaching personally and the people that you coach. I mean... You take this however you want it, but how how do we attack that as individuals? Me, for example, I would love to share more,
1: mm-hmm. you
0: know, and, and I have my techniques. Um, how would you help someone, or how have you helped yourself mm-hmm. to share more?
2: Well, I think it always starts with awareness, meaning. What What is it that you even want to share? Like, what's really important to you? How often do you take time, even like five minutes, to just know what's actually valuable and important to you in your life? I'm assuming that if you're going to share something, it probably matters for some reason, whether mm. it's writing or speaking or art or love, whatever. There's something that's like guiding this desire to then spread it. Yeah. So first... I get clear with people and with myself, like, what, what are my values? What actually matters to me? And that could actually be done very quickly, mm-hmm. you know, as simply as writing down on a piece of paper. What do I care about? Right. Like, how often, again, do you take the time to just write that question down and answer it?
0: What sort of things end up on that list? For example, do you, if you could throw out a few of yours.
2: Oh, gosh. Well, I care about... I mean,
0: should people write down their dog and their car? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure.
2: My dog matters to me. My car. Connection matters to me. Community. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Singing. Okay. Music. Yeah. Whatever. It's like a brainstorm. Start with anything. There is no right answer. Awesome. The more you start writing things down the more you start seeing, oh, wow, there's interesting patterns. There's some things here that might go together. And then you'll, let's say you write down, music on a list. That could lead to so many things. Music could lead to, oh, I love the arts. Oh, and why do I love the arts? Oh man, I love it because it makes me feel creative. Oh, what does creativity mean? Oh, creativity means I get to express myself. Oh, self-expression is important because then I get to, um, I don't know, be me and dress up in really cool things. Oh, maybe I'll start a fashion company. You know, this, how did I, where did I even start? I ended up at a fashion company. I don't know where I started yes. with music, right? right? So the point is, giving yourself some time to just dream and brainstorm oh, just a few minutes a day is incredible. We don't do it typically.
0: We don't do it, and we shut it down actively, I think. A lot a lot of humans do. I know I did. So just the opportunity to brainstorm, to literally say, I'm going to brainstorm, I'm just going to write what comes into my head. That That concept of start the sentence with... I care about, and then just write and go and don't. And be aware when you try to stop yourself and think about, oh, that's not the right answer. You know, just let it go. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, that's we can get in, in our own way with that a lot of times. We can stop ourselves from doing that. And that's our imagination, and that's where our creativity comes from, and that's where our joy lives.
2: Mm-hmm. And the cool thing is, let's say you start making that list, and then you have that voice that's like, that's stupid, that's wrong. Hey, saboteur. Hey, great, get to know that voice, notice it say hello to it
0: yeah now you have an idea of the quality the tone of voice the Mm -hmm. type of voice that is is your saboteur yeah
2: who does it sound like who does it look like get a character in mind maybe it's a maybe it's a a movie uh character maybe it's your mom for a lot of people it's probably their their mom and dad or aunt or uncle or brother (laughs)
0: it's definitely my mom yeah
2: so there you go and again normal i told my mom she's a total character in my crew She's the one that worries. Oh, God, Well, what if that doesn't work? Mm -hmm. And I understand why. She's had a life as an immigrant. There's a lot of fear. Legitimate reason to worry. Thank you, but not useful. Thank you, but not useful right now. Mm -hmm. So, again, let yourself... I always ask people when I have them do writing exercises, and I make... Not I don't make. I invite every coaching client to write. Even if it's just a few minutes. Write in the morning, write in the evening. Have a routine where you write. Specifically pen to paper... Mm -hmm. You develop neural pathways, new ones, positive ones. When you write, it is cathartic. It is healing. You will discover things. Writing a question and answering it yourself, you will learn about yourself things you didn't know before. Do it. You'll see. It's always like that for everyone. Um, And if you notice there is resistance, cool. Explore that. Why do I have resistance to writing? Write about that. See what comes up. That's the next question. That's the next question.
0: So... I derailed us, but we were talking about, so get your values down, right? On this road to sharing and and having courage enough to share. So Mm -hmm. the first step was really, what do you care about? Mm -hmm. Make sure it's tied to what Mm -hmm. you care about. Mm
2: -hmm. Okay, so that's the first step. Once you get some clarity Mm -hmm. around what you care about, I think the next thing is actually don't be so attached to whatever it is. Choose anything. Mm. Choose the first thing that you see on the paper that gets you kind of excited. It's kind of the Marie Kondo uh, joy uh, Sparks effect. Sparks joy. What, yeah. what, what just gets you kind of stoked? Maybe it's the yeah. music or the art. Cool, what have you been kind of wanting to see really do that you haven't done? Mm-hmm. Everyone has something, if they really tune in. Yeah. I don't care who you are. You've wanted to sing a song. You've oh, wanted God. to write something. I'm you've song wanted song to...
0: singer. I want to sing a song. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, like what song do you want to sing?
0: Oh, man, Mamas Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up to Be Cowboys.
2: Oh, my gosh, I don't know that song. It sounds like an amazing <laughs> song. <laughs> it's the longest title.
0: It's a great song. Yeah. yeah. It do is a long title. So right. long, Do yeah. you want
2: to sing it in front of an audience? Like, what's the vision?
0: Yeah, the vision is like uh, an old bar somewhere, tiny open mic night, you know, a yeah. couple people sitting around drinking whiskeys and Bud Lights.
1: Yeah. And
0: my group of friends, you know, we all go there together and yeah. yeah.
2: Okay. So what's held you back from doing that? Why have I not been at that bar with you watching you sing that song? Yeah, good
0: question. Well, a lot of excuses, a lot of wasted time really. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. But I just learned to play the guitar. Okay. I'm learning. Okay. So then now there are no excuses.
2: Well, there you go. So you bring up the next step, which is what's in your way. So you have a thing, you get your clear on your values, then you have the thing. Then there's usually some barrier, something mm-hmm. in your way.
0: Yeah, right now what's in my way? Fear. Yes. So fear. Okay, I'm going to screw up. You're going to screw up, Chase. You're going to yeah. make a fool of yourself. Yeah. This, this total terror of embarrassment mm-hmm. and shame that for some reason would feel like the end of the world, even though now that I'm saying it to you, it would obviously just be something we laugh about at yeah. worst
2: yeah totally so that's actually i'm curious if you tune into that fear just like for a minute let's do it yeah how does it actually feel like where does it show up
0: yeah it's right in my sternum and it's just this squeeze it's wanting to fold Mm, into that contraction the contraction into that point yeah yeah
2: so your sternum is right between your your belly and your heart yeah
0: just below that your heart sort of right where the rib cage comes up into that v
2: totally yeah, so these two chakras sort of the belly and the heart, this is, you know, the power and the and the feeling and the love. When that contracts, the next chakra up your throat is where you actually communicate, it's where your voice gets into the world. So when that contracts, your energy completely stops moving here.
0: Well, yeah, and that's that's also your diaphragm, so I imagine mm-hmm. your voice is yeah is totally restricted with that contraction.
2: Absolutely, yeah. <sighs> so and you know it, that's the thing. Sometimes you have to actually sit with that fear to feel it to realize, oh man, I don't want to feel this anymore. Like I'm choosing mm. to stay in this place, and so then you might be wondering, well, how do I get out of that fear? How do you imagine one might get out of that fear?
0: How do I get out of that fear? Yeah. Um. Well, the ways I've used in the past is just to willpower through it, mm-hmm. to take the action, and then to realize that the world will not end. So disprove the voice, mm-hmm. you know, the voice of fear. Um, but in the past, that hasn't really acknowledged or helped the scared part. Yeah. You yeah. know, it, it's yeah. helped me to realize that the fear is a lie, mm-hmm. but... I've gone through the process with a lot. the The moments aren't enjoyed. Let's yeah, just say so you'll that. do the
2: thing, but you won't really have this experience. Right, that you I won't have. be even there for yeah. the experience because yes. I'm
0: living with fear the okay. entire way through.
2: Yeah. So here's what I've recently discovered, and this has been super cool. I've used this with a lot of clients and with myself. I've sort of reworked this idea of. Putting something on my to-do list because usually I like have a thing and I'll put it on the list. I'm gonna, I want to do this, but then I don't do it. And usually it is fear. I don't want to do it, or or it's not even fear. It's like like a laziness sometimes. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, too much work. Yeah. So here's what I did. I uh, and this has been super interesting, and I recommend you try it. Awesome. Let's say there's something you want to do, like sing a song at a bar, right. or write an article. Yes. So I write down. I, I make a three columns the first column says to do and I'll write down I would like to sing a karaoke song whatever the next column says why do I want to do this so I want to mm-hmm. do this because I love music and I love sharing and I and I want to express myself I feel like I've wanted to do this for 10 years and I, I kind of want to just know what it's like to finally say I'm gonna do something and get a Done. But yeah. that's not enough because we kind of maybe still know the why. The last piece of this that I think has been the real like kicker is the question says, what do I care to experience as I'm doing this? And then mm. I write down, as I'm doing this, I want to feel peace. I want to feel joy. I want to feel present. I want to feel alive. I want to feel supported by all my friends. Something about this kind of trilogy or the synergy of the what the why and the experience and the
1: how
0: you want to feel Yeah, Yeah. don't
2: forget that because then you end up doing a bunch of stuff and feeling like shit right you you have to
0: yeah you check the box but the experience you weren't even present for it because you were continually in that loop of fear throughout it
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah so setting that intention for me and writing it out Mm-hmm. has changed. A client said to me recently, he said, my to-do list has turned into a menu. Now I look at everything as like, oh, I could choose that or I could choose that. And then I can add things to the menu or I could remove things from the menu. And I got everything done and I experienced joy. And I was like, wow, cool. At the end of the day, there is no secret formula you have to do the thing but there are so many different ways to do something you can get up and sing and be terrified and have it be the the worst thing you've ever done or you can get up and sing and just remember i want to experience what what peace and joy and love feel like and that is like literally set the intention stand before close your eyes take a deep breath I'm going to have love and peace right now. And again, whatever that is for you, you might want to have enthusiasm. You might want to have connection. Sure. Let yourself have what you want to have. Yeah. Um, setting intentions, like what we did even before this conversation, really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. And it's effective. And all you do is you take a few seconds to do it. It's incredible how much some of the most powerful stuff that I've ever learned is the most simple stuff that you could ever do. But we don't do it.
0: We don't do it. And these are incantations. This is the magic of being human, I think, and has been forgotten long ago and discredited. But to say, to simply state the words to yourself, I would like to experience this as joyful or i would like to learn something and i'm open to learning something in this dialogue you know those that's an incantation and and your whole being will respond to that mm-hmm. i've found that in my life um, and it sounds like you found that in your life as well
2: yes and another little tip for when you write things down i always write things down even things i haven't done as if I have already done them in gratitude. Oh, I
0: like that. Tell me more. How's that sound? So for example,
2: if I want to grow my business next month and Mm -hmm. get three new awesome clients, I'll write down in my journal. I am so grateful for the three incredible clients that I met this month. They are the best and they found me and it's it's going great. I write it down as if it's happened. And let me tell you, I used to have this sort of full moon ritual where every month on the full moon, I would write this letter to the universe in gratitude, in advance for all the things I was going to create. I can't even tell you how often everything I wrote down happened. Like it's a a little creepy, but it's amazing. (laughs) Our words are powerful. Our thoughts are, look, first we think it, we feel it, then we do it. We, we you, know, you can call it manifestation, you can call it whatever you want to call it, it, try it and watch for yourself. But when we write things down on paper, and gratitude is so powerful, yeah. we already believe it. You have to, you know, they say, I, I heard this recently from a brilliant coach and leader. She said, before you become a leader, you have to be a leader. Like mm. you already have to be that person. And then you become it. So if you feel like you want to be a writer, start saying you're a writer. Right. You want to be an artist.
0: Well, and believe that you're a writer, and
2: believe it too. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you have the voice that says, "No, you're not." Okay, thank you. I hear you. You haven't
0: published enough pieces. Mm-hmm. You, mm-hmm. yeah. You're a liar. You're a liar.
2: I say that. Okay. Regina now knows she's a liar. So she doesn't even. (laughs) The thing is, after I've told her kindly that she's a liar about a million times, she stopped. She's not as loud anymore. Yeah. She just knows it.
0: Yeah. Well, she knows she's been heard and she recognizes. Okay. You're right. Mm -hmm. You're right, Svet. You got me. You got me. (laughs) Oh, man. That's great. That's so great.
2: Yeah, it's really beautiful. I mean, again, what it is really is, again, it's a developing of a a more cohesive relationship with your own self, which I do think is life's work. I really respect and am drawn to people who take the time to invest in their own selves. Really, you know, the one person you will always live with for the rest of your life is you. You will be your roommate every single day that you are here on this planet. And imagine having a roommate that sat around all day telling you you were a piece of shit, that you suck, you can't do anything. What's the point? You would kick that person out probably very, very soon. But when it's yourself, you trust yourself. I read that sort of in a book mm-hmm. called The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer, who is Gorgeous like one book. of my yeah. ugh, mentors. I loved that book. And I remember reading that thinking, oh, my God, that's so true. If I had a roommate that talked to me like I talked to me, that I would have never lived with that person. But you listen to yourself as if you're a noble Prize winning, you, you, yeah. You listen like, to that
0: part of you yourself. You think you're as, right. Yeah.
2: No, no, no. Right. So that is for every man, woman, child, every person out there. Stop listening to that nasty roommate in your head, as if that is the truth. That is simply not. That is just a conditioned, fear based response based on some beliefs you've developed probably earlier when you were little yeah. and it's I think it's really really smart. my vision for the world is that everybody could take the time to you know get counseling to understand the why and also do coaching to understand the what and the how and, and to work towards those dreams. I think another part again about coaching that is the secret sauce to all this that we're talking about is the, the accountability. Mm -hmm. sometimes it's just really helpful not sometimes all the time to have another person on your team who gets to hear you and champion you and say okay by when are you getting by the way chase by when are you going to be singing your song at that bar because i'm ready to be in the audience and what kind of coach would i be if i let you off the hook right there without setting some sort of deadline because the point is i mean you want to just have that dream forever or you want to actually get Do it. it done?
0: Yeah. By when? By when? 2020. By 2020.
2: So by January 1st,
0: 2020.
2: 2020. Okay. Yeah. And how will I know that you would have done it?
0: There will be a video
2: mm-hmm. of
0: this. I want to be invited. You will be Excuse there. me. Yeah. Thank you.
2: Video. <laughs> I want to be there. Okay, see that's the other part. By when and how will I know? Yeah. I wanna know.
0: Yeah. Well, and we can hold each other accountable in this way. Mm-hmm. You're a coach, but we can do this as friends.
2: And we and people should do this as friends, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the beauty. We can all we're all coaches. We're all teachers. In fact, our greatest teachers are usually the people people who trigger us the most. Yeah. You're gonna learn the most from from some of those difficult things that happen in your life. And if you see everyone as a messenger, uh, my dear friend Robert always says this, uh, get the message, forget the messenger. It's like everyone is messaging you something all the time, every day, every moment. Mm -hmm. We get so caught up in the messenger. Oh my God, the person. Yes, that's true. There's a person there, but there's a message there. Are you getting the message that's coming through? That message that the universe is sending you is going Mm. to be coming through all different directions on the bus at the train station you know at the coffee shop you're going to start Mm. you know when you start a few years ago when I wanted to move to Costa Rica suddenly everyone was talking about Costa Rica I would see Pura Vida everywhere. I was just hearing Costa Rica, Costa Rica. Finally, I was like, okay, well, the universe is clearly giving me some sort of sign. I think this is supposed to happen. It's time. So pay attention. You know, start paying attention in your world of what the world is trying to tell you. I think it's kind of fun to live in that way. You know, I do believe we're sort of creating our own reality, but the universe is working with us to help us, I think, live in a way that's probably even more epic than anything we can imagine with Mm -hmm. our little minds. I just felt that when I went to Hawaii recently and I, oh my God, I ended up having just the most incredible trip which felt impossible at the beginning of the trip because the last time I was in Hawaii, I had the most amazing trip. So I thought, how could how could this be even better? Yeah. I also, funny enough, I joke with my friends. I went to Hawaii searching for Aquaman, and instead, I met a uh, a man of the air, a pilot. And I was like, <laughs> how did that happen? This is. And I remember being in this helicopter with this amazing man flying, thinking, Oh my god, I couldn't. I couldn't. I didn't even imagine that this could happen. Like my, our minds are so tiny yes. compared to the vastness of life.
1: Yeah,
0: they get. They tend to get so tunnel visioned into into how good things could be for us. We and, think we want. Yeah, so we need to be curious, right? Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, if we're if we stay curious and open, I life just keeps surprising me with things and people and experiences that I couldn't have even imagined mm. over and over again. And I love that. I, I wish that for everybody to have the presence and awareness to just be like, oh my goodness, it mm. could be even better than what I've been so wanting or dreaming of. Could it, you know, what does that even look like? Yeah. Set an intention to be open to that. What a what a way to live that would be. Hey universe, my intention is that you bring me the greatest possible outcome, the highest possible vibration of anything that that I could even hold at this point that I don't even know. Yeah. Surprise me. Yeah. And then I'll say yes to it cuz guess what? When you get the thing that you're asking for but you're not ready to receive it, it's not going to work. Right. So how do you become receptive? To love, to money, to opportunity. So many people say they want more money or they want love, they want to meet someone, but they're not really open or ready Mm. to have it come in. They they can't hold it. They don't have a satchel that can hold all of that love or abundance. And so they're going to, you know, they sometimes say people who win the lottery within a year usually lose all the money. Right. Something just about this idea of are you really ready? for what you're dreaming of. What can you do to get your mind, body, spirit prepared for this life that you're Mm. imagining? Mm -hmm. I love that.
1: Yeah,
0: I love that too. How does that come into the real world? And what I mean by that is these are great things to imagine, to manifest, to talk about with yourself, to write about. And then what does getting ready actually look like?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, so for me, the place that this most resonates, two places. One is in my personal relationships. Like I, for example, have had this vision of this amazing partner that I wanted to Mm -hmm. meet, right? This gorgeous, beautiful man who's brilliant. And I see him running his own really meaningful company, doing big work in the world and, and having a really just beautiful physique, for example. So I started imagining this person and I thought, okay, what kind of partner would that man deserve? Who do I want to be and show up as so that I am a really beautiful match for this incredible human I'm imagining? When I looked at some of the ways I was living and acting, I thought, well, I'm not really taking such good care of myself. How am I honoring my body? How Mm -hmm. am I honoring my business? Because I want this really successful person who runs their own company really well and is really beautiful and fit. Am I doing those things? (laughs) I wasn't. So how am I gonna attract the thing that I'm not being myself? That literally doesn't make sense. I wouldn't want someone who's not like these things I'm imagining. So I started doing those things, but not for him. I realized, actually, I want to be that person. That's when I realized a lot of, and this is something I've learned in my Jungian psychology with my therapist, is that often we are drawn to people and specifically of the opposite sex who remind us of our own masculinity if we're a woman. So I keep attracting men who Mm -hmm. keep showing me in little pieces of the man inside of me, of the Mm -hmm. masculine energy that I want to cultivate. So when I met this pilot, for example, and I heard about his 21 years as a combat Marine pilot and what that took, the amount of grit and emotional strength that it Mm. took to do that job and the honor that he seems to just hold, I thought, I want to be more like that guy.
1: Yeah,
2: It wasn't about I want that guy. It was I want to be more like Rob. I want to be like that guy that has that strength and ability and commitment. Um, when I look at you know anyone in my life, I just think, oh, that's a little puzzle piece of what I honor and what I want to be like. So it's like everyone is a reflection of different parts of us. Again, that kaleidoscope. Yes. and And I think that's what's really beautiful is Often we meet people to show us parts of ourselves that have been dormant, that we want to awaken so that we become more whole and that our range expands.
0: Oh, this is brilliant. This is fucking brilliant. Because I think you've given a great example, and I think it's it's something that's been talked about a lot, women gaining their masculinity. And I think the same sort of imagination needs to happen for men or people who identify as very masculine is that that feminine needs to be healed, needs to be evolved, needs to be grown into the motherfucking goddess Mm. that they think they're searching for and all the women that they want to sleep with or have or possess or be with or, you know, whatever. This idea that you need that man or you need that woman is just the reflection of, In most cases, I mean, yes, relationship is vital to life, but in most cases, that's an insecurity about that undeveloped or unacknowledged part of yourself, I think. Mm. And I think for men, that's a hard concept to say, oh, I'm going to develop the goddess within me. (laughs) but. You know, I've heard this story so many times from many women. One of my favorite authors, Pam Houston, has this whole story of her life. And she wrote this book called Cowboys Are My Weakness. Mm. And she talks a lot in her, in her talks that I've seen about this search she was on, in a sense, very much like you, for this certain type of man, this cowboy. Where was her cowboy? Mm. And one day she realized, I'm my fucking cowboy. Yeah. And she bought herself the ranch that she wanted the cowboy to have. And she bought herself the horses that she, you know, and, and so you really do, you have to go on that process of saying, well, where's the goddess? What? What's the energy of that goddess or the traits or the type of life that goddess would create for me? Yeah. And I'm going to create that shit for myself. And then that goddess who has that is probably just going to show up on my fucking doorstep. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, it's so true. When I realized this, I oh my gosh, I remember when I tuned into like, oh my God, I am that man that I'm searching for. What does he need? I started taking jujitsu classes. I start. I got myself a samurai sword. I mean, like I, I started getting into my body. I started climbing. Like I realized, oh my God, like this feels great. And when I'm already doing all those things, of course, I'm going to attract someone who's probably in that same energy. Yeah. And it's fun it literally fed a part of me that wasn't getting fed just like lucy the depression wasn't getting fed the masculine part that was there and is within all women and that feminine part with within all men and again we live in a world unfortunately we're still like these conversations are starting to happen more and more mm-hmm. thank you to you and people like you who are yeah. actually bringing them to the world but men have not been invited to tap into their feminine really you know and it's about time because it's beautiful it's just as important one is not more important than the other we need both it's the yin and yang it's the masculine and the feminine truly we uh there's beauty and strength and power in both mm-hmm. but when you don't know that aspect of yourself you can't connect as deeply Like, as a man, without tuning into your feminine side, you cannot connect as deeply to women.
0: Or any human. Or any human. Or men. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Frankly. You know, it is some of that softness and some of that gentleness that comes with more of that feminine energy that allows men to love each other so beautifully. Mm -hmm. And that is so beautiful to witness, by the way, seeing, Mm. you know, the men in my life, uh, connect and love and support one another in such a gorgeous way. And frankly, watching the women do it too, we're learning yeah. it too. You know, we're often told to suppress certain feminine sides or masculine sides. It's like, gosh, we're just all ma- basically told that we're way too much and not enough of something. Yeah. Men, women. Mm-hmm. As kids, we're usually
0: taught yeah, that. As kids, usually in our family, mm-hmm. and then we see the, the validating signs of that neurosis out in the world the rest of our lives. And so we believe the lie. um, And we have to come to these realizations that, no, that's not true. Yeah, I'm both feminine. I'm both masculine. And I need to develop all of these qualities. Yeah.
2: And life just gets a lot more fun is the thing. Like, you don't really need to do the work. But I find when you do it, it gets a lot more interesting.
0: yeah. Yeah, say more about that. I mean, I could talk about my own story. I mean, life for me is way more interesting after starting this work. (sighs) Easier, (laughs) not in the sense that there's not pain and heartbreak and people break my heart and people attack me and people do mean things. Yeah. But that my relationship with that is easier. Mm -hmm. That more creativity happens by me and by the world to me that I attract better Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. How have you found it? Evolve or or become a better life.
2: Oh boy. I mean, definitely in the, you know, the whole who you seek is seeking you. I feel like the people who keep showing up in my life Mm -hmm. are so interesting and keep taking me deeper. Like I keep meeting more badass women and men. Like when I got back from Hawaii after meeting this one pilot, having this beautiful human connection with this man that brought out my masculine. I got back to San Francisco and literally every man I saw was the most gorgeous man. It was somehow so interesting. It's like my eyes were more open mm. to that there are amazing people out there in the world. And I was able to see it like I learned a new language again. And now I saw it everywhere. Whereas before I was sort of like, oh, it's so hard to meet people. And when am I going to meet people? And I just sort of had a different story. So I think part of this work that is so beautiful is you keep sort of getting re-inspired. You keep learning. You keep, I think, for me, getting more present to what is actually happening. How am I showing up? And also you take more responsibility for your life. I'm fully now aware that I am responsible for my experience of life. If I'm happy sad up or down successful or not it is that is it's not my fault but it's my it's my doing it's how i choose to show up i think taking responsibility for your life is really really important it's a, it's kind of an adult thing to do but it's it's there's no blame you you can look at you know you can say oh it's your family or it's your friends or it's your boss or whatever you're dealing with but the truth is it's all about how you're choosing to take in whatever's happening. The more you own the power that you have to actually have a perspective, I always look at it as perspective. It's like if you were taking a photograph of something, if me and you both had a camera and we were looking out and uh, onto a Vista and we were to take two photos, they would never be the same.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: If we were to switch the lenses on the cameras, they would be completely different again. Mm. Everything that we see, we see through a lens. And our lens is made up of so many things. It's made up of every single thing that's ever happened to us. Everything we feel, how we're feeling that day, how we're feeling in that moment. So literally, there is no truth. There is no reality. It's just what you see. And the more I tune into that, sometimes it drives me a little crazy. It can get very like overwhelming. Like, oh my God, what's real? But when I really ground in that, I think, oh my gosh, wow, I can legitimately create my reality at any moment, depending on my mind and how I think about something, which is why I think it's so important to take care of your mind, to yeah. do things every day that really honor your mental health, your physical health, your body, your, you know, I call it mental wealth, because that is the most abundant thing you can have is a solid grasp of your mind, making sure that your mind is feeding you and not depleting you. I think so many people struggle these days. I mean, we're in a mm. time of crazy amounts of depression and yeah, anxiety. Yeah. and mental we're health
0: issues are rising. And
2: yeah, for men and women. And yeah. it's it's exhaust Look at the world that we live in. I, mean, I understand why that's happening. And yet, it is in our power to take care of ourselves. And I think it's daily... It's these little daily routines, these little daily observations, this ability to first acknowledge the thing, whatever it is. And sometimes, again, it's very hard to acknowledge when you're in a rough spot. We don't want to acknowledge to ourselves that we're really sad or we're feeling like a failure or we're confused or whatever. But it's like the first step to getting out of prison is realizing you're in prison. Mm
0: -hmm. If you don't
2: realize that part, you're not getting out. Once you acknowledge it, there's just things to do, one step at a time.
0: Yeah, yeah, one step at a time. I wanted to ask a question about coming to the understanding that what you see isn't actually truth. Mm. In, In my perspective, from my perspective, it requires a lot of humility or being humble to acknowledge that. Mm. Have you found that as well? And what I mean by that is is, it's easy, especially in relationship, especially when we're thinking about other people in our lives, yeah. to think that our experience is, in fact, truth. Sure. And to get out of that requires some shift, some acknowledgment that the world does not revolve around us.
2: I say this to clients all the time. I say, if you're gonna make up a story, why not make it a really interesting story? Because Mm. the truth is, if there is a truth, is that, at least in my opinion, is that everything is a story. You're just making it up. like. When people are like, this is the way it is, I always think that's so funny because almost anything that's ever been said, like people used to believe the world was flat. Like that was legitimately true. And then we discovered otherwise. There are still some people, by the way, who believe the world is flat. A million other things just like that. You think it's so. And then, you know, like in a relationship, you think... You're going to feel a certain way forever. And then you wake up the next day and you feel like you're a different person. What the hell happened? Where did the truth go? Mm. How many of us have experienced something like that where change is inevitable? Change is the only thing we know is true, is going to keep happening. So for me, I realized, you know what? If I'm I'm pretty much making up a story, why am I making up such shitty fucking stories? What Mm. is a story that I actually want to live? Someone said this to me when I was really down. I was in that... First, really bad depressive episode. I was in bed for months at this point, and I had a, a another beautiful mentor friend, Matthias, and he said to me, "Svetlana, you're a writer, so can you write yourself out of this story?" Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, "No," because this is the end of the story, and I kept even thinking further oh my God, I can't believe my story ends at 28. Like, I can't believe I'm dying now. Like, I'm so young. This is not the way I thought it was ending. And he said, Svet, this is like chapter two. Like, you're not at the end of the story. You're at the beginning. What does she do next? Write her out of the story. And it felt kind of crazy to me that I could write her out, but something landed and I thought, well, what if I could write her out? Like, what does she do?
0: Yes, this is fantastic. You're telling yourself a story. Why not tell a good one? Why not tell a heroic one that has you climb out of this dark place? And so you did it.
1: Yeah.
2: When I look at my life these last five years, it literally is me telling the rest of that story and by the way I'm still in chapter like 5. Like this isn't yeah. the end of the story. No. This is still like the beginning, maybe getting to the middle. So uh, I realized if I'm going to tell a story, I'm going to fucking tell a good story. Yeah. It's going to have adventure and it is going to have tears and it's going to have laughter and it is going to have all kinds of craziness. But it is my story. It's up to me to tell that story. No one can write my story for me. But if you pick up the pen And you start writing. And again, this is a good exercise to actually do. Write your story. Write what your story looks like a year from today. Mm -hmm. Sit down and write down February, whatever, 2020. What did you do this last year? Make it up. Have some fun. Dream a little. Yeah, And then see what happens. You know, I I really do. I mean, it's so simple, but I love it. If you're going to tell a story, why not make it a good one?
0: Yeah, I went to this writing workshop in Boulder with one of the best writing teachers I've I've ever come across named Lisa Jones. If you're in Boulder, check her out. And she did a workshop, uh, an exercise, very similar to this with us. She had us in, you know, very graphic detail write about the worst day of our lives, mm. and so we all did. And we're, we're all we're all writers there, and we're all getting poetic with it, right? And then afterwards, we read them all, and everyone's crying together. And afterwards, she says, "Okay, now write about the same day, but make it the best day of your life."
1: Mm. Ooh, chills.
0: And, and immediately, all of us are like, "No." Like, it's not the best. You know, you're insistent on the story that you've told yourself Mm -hmm. for so long. There's some part of you that just wants it to be the worst. Oh, yeah. and you're attached to that. And yet, to go through that experience, to decide that that story... That that story of heartbreak, in my case, it was the day that I heard that the gal that I love was sleeping with someone else, you know, and walking out of her apartment. Like, instead of walking out of her apartment to, like, drudgery, you know, through the darkness of the streets, it became, it really does, you can paint that as the moment I was walking into my new self with trumpets playing yeah. and leaving behind the old life yeah. and and whatever you want to come next. Oh,
2: my gosh. I, I said this to my mom a few weeks ago. I said the best thing that ever happened to me was my depression. And she basically said, I'm so happy that you feel that way. I don't still because I think it really traumatized her. It was very hard for her mm-hmm. and for a lot of people to see me in that state. But truly... I really do think I think my life had to completely collapse. I had to die for me to be reborn. It's very much a phoenix rising sort of experience where sometimes it has to break, it has to shatter, it has to there has to be a certain death for a rebirth and it can feel so horrible during the time, which is why again perspective time when you can see it through a different lens, when you can look Back and do an exercise like that? And how do you make the worst day of your life the best day of your life? Truly,
1: mm-hmm. it's
2: fascinating what happens when you, again, we're so attached to our stories too. No, this is the way it is. It's horrible. It's the worst. It's like, can you like loosen that grip a little? Just see, maybe, could it be something else? Yeah. So cool.
0: Could it be something else? And that comes back to the, one of the things we started with, which was that idea of, allow yourself to imagine a different story. Mm. You know, imagine, just imagine, period, and see where that goes. But but make it an intentional, beautiful story about yourself, too.
2: Mm-hmm. And you know what? A lot of people, I think, don't think they deserve that. Mm. That's the
0: thing. Like, I think that's a big hang-up.
2: They don't dream because they don't know. They're kind of, you know, comfort is probably one of the biggest things that holds people back a lot of people are just comfortably numb they're just Mm -hmm. they're just they're comfortable enough that they don't really want to do the work this work by the way transformation is a bitch sometimes it hurts it is i think easier for a lot of people to just stay kind of in a sort of eh, yeah And that does make me sad.
0: It makes me really sad. And this immediately makes me think of one of the reasons I wanted to start to do this podcast because what I felt missing in my life was the support around that process. Mm -hmm. You know, and in direct contrast to what, Tribal societies had before where the entire community would come together around this, hey, we're all getting together and we're going to kill your old self, mm-hmm. okay? And then we're going to celebrate the fuck out of your new self and welcome you into the tribe of adults or or whatever, or yeah. give you a new name to celebrate your new you. Yeah. You know, there's something gorgeous about that that we don't have. So we're all doing this alone. Like if you're courageous enough to start down this path and do this work, it's going to be terrifyingly hard and difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we don't have great networks of support around it.
2: We don't. And you know, it's funny, when I was entering uh, again into my Saturn return, a psychic said to me, <laughs> which terrified me at the time, she said, a lot of people who you thought would be with you on your path are going to go away. Let them leave and be open to those who show up. They are going to be your healers, your friends. They are going to help you through this time. They are literally like angels. Let them in. And Mm. I was like, excuse me, hold on. You're telling me that a lot of the people I'm counting on that I love are leaving. And I'm supposed to let some new people help guide me through this crazy, scary time? Like, uh, no. You know, I had resistance. But that's exactly what happened, and that's the thing. I truly, in my gut, know that transformation is a rite of passage. Anyone who dares to enter this journey, to really do some self-reflection, to really go deep, will have those angels and those guides showing up, but they have to share. They have to ask for help. Also, I think this is particularly hard for men that I've seen, asking for help to be able to say, hey, I'm struggling. I need some support. Mm -hmm. I need to just talk. I need to be heard. I need to be listened to. Could you help me? Is it feels somehow like a sissy or somehow you're not strong or manly. It is so strong to say, hey, I need some help. And when you ask for help, you get it. Maybe you don't get it from exactly who you thought you would get it from and in the way you thought you'd get it. But I once had... I was on a bus and I was having a terrible day and I was crying. And this older man, I think he might have been homeless. He kind of didn't look so great himself. But when he saw me crying, he just looked at me with these big, beautiful eyes and just we connected for a second. And I remember him saying to me, he hasn't forgotten about you.
1: As if, I like,
2: God was just talking through this man. And just that moment of just being seen by that random stranger on the bus healed me. Something in me felt like, okay, this aloneness that I feel right now, I'm not. He saw me and he told me that he hasn't forgotten about me. It helped in that moment. In that moment, that person was my healer. It wasn't my best friend who was busy at work, it was that random stranger on the bus who really made a difference in my life. He has no idea what he did. He was just talking. Yeah. But it changed my life. I will remember that moment forever. So that's the other thing. Don't forget how powerful you are. A look, uh, a kind word. We can all heal each other. We are all healing each other. You don't Mm -hmm. even know how many people you're healing through this who Mm. might listen to this and maybe something resonates and changes their life because also we don't tell people so often so i love to tell people how much i appreciate them like thank the people that help you tell them i always feel like if i was to die today which i don't know i won't because who knows what's going to happen i want everyone in my life to know how much i love and appreciate them that makes me feel complete and whole and especially after going through dark times now even more when i have positive great happy energetic times i don't take that for granted I'm like, anything can shift at any time. The tide can change. There could be a riptide. There could be a tidal wave. I don't know how I'm going to be surfing tomorrow. Right now, I feel good. But thank you. Thank you for being my fellow surfer. Thank you for being my friend. Thanks for giving me that smile. Thanks for talking to me. Thanks for the hug. You know, I don't take it for granted. That's beautiful. So imagine a world where we all thanked each other all mm. the time for all that love. Yeah. Or for all the tough stuff. Thanks for calling me out.
0: Thanks for the tough lesson. Yeah. Thanks for showing me that I'm insecure there, that I have a trigger there.
2: Mm. Thank you for showing me my shadow. You've given me the chance to do this work that is now preparing me for the next amazing relationship that I'm going to have. Thank Mm. you to every lover I have ever had. I hope you all hear this and just know I am so grateful for all those heartbreaks, all that, all that just pain, because it has made me so much more loving than I ever was. Yeah. Yeah so great Mm. now i can say that maybe last year i would have had a different opinion
0: well maybe next week it'll be harder to say (laughs) that
2: (laughs) yeah who knows but but in general that's sort of my attitude is i'm like you know what i thank the ones that help me and i thank the ones that hurt me because they are helping me in some way any pain we feel is just a trigger it means something in us still needs to be worked out yeah so cool thanks for helping me see that
0: Thanks for helping me see that. And I think just saying thank you Mm. in any moment when things are hard are a great way to immediately shift the perspective. Not that the pain will go away anytime soon, but your resistance to it may change. Mm. You'll say, just force yourself. I force myself to say thank you, even when I don't even know what I'm grateful for in the moment.
1: Mm. I
0: just say thank you and It's like that when you said if you write down the question, you'll learn what the answer is for yourself. Mm -hmm. And the same thing happens for me when I'm in a dark moment and I say thank you without knowing what I'm thankful for. By the end of that day, I know what that was trying to show me. Mm -hmm. And then I am actually experiencing gratitude for it. Mm, Absolutely.
2: Yeah, It's again, it's the whole be that, be grateful Before you necessarily even feel grateful, yeah, just just try it on again. You're gonna tell yourself a story if you're gonna choose something. Why not choose gratitude? I mean, of every I have, you know, I have a lot of tattoos that I've designed. I've put them on my body as sort of uh, mantras and reminders for me. Mm -hmm. And the the first two words that I got tattooed were inspiration and gratitude. And I remember I had this epiphany one day when I was I was you know, in a really rough place. And I kept looking at the words are on my wrists, which is a really kind of funky place to have these tattoos because a lot of people slit their wrists when they're kind of in that dark place. I kept looking at my wrists being really angry at these words like fuck inspiration and gratitude, fuck this. Like I didn't feel any of it because I kept looking first at the inspiration then the gratitude. And anytime I tried to connect to inspiration in a depressed state, I just got pissed off. I wasn't inspired about anything. I was just just dreadfully- And that
0: made you even more Yeah, depressed. it made me even yeah. more
2: depressed because it's like, God, when you're trying to be happy and you're yeah. sad, it's even worse. And then one day, I don't know why, but instead of looking at inspiration first, I looked at the gratitude first and i just thought well fuck what can i am i grateful for anything and the only thing i could think about that i was grateful for was that i could breathe mm-hmm. i thought okay well i'm breathing i'm grateful i can breathe i'm, I'm a, like i'm alive it hurts to be alive but there was something i could be grateful for I, there was nothing i could be inspired by but there was at least one thing i found gratitude for And something shifted then. I realized, oh my God, I've been trying to walk through the door of inspiration into gratitude. And that was wrong. Gratitude is the door. Gratitude is the door through which we then find inspiration. And that shifted everything. There's always something to be grateful for, even if it's just that you're breathing. If you are breathing, you have something to be grateful for. How the rest of it's going, whether you're inspired or not, that's a whole other animal. But that really shifted it for me. And I think that I always come back to that. That's why I'm, I'm so deeply into just breathing. <laughs> I know it sounds also a little silly, but just taking a few deep breaths is very, I mean, it's very good for the body. It's very good for the mind. It's yeah. it's just such a powerful exercise, just conscious breathing a few minutes a day. Just breathe.
0: Well, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> when I was at my worst, when I was at my most, my points of most suicide, you know, most suicidal thoughts and tendencies, there was one day when I thought I was going to hold my breath long enough to die. And so I tried to. And um, it was in that experience that I began gaining some some more gratitude for this thing called breath. Hmm. So that's a beautiful reflection of what's the simplest, tiniest thing that you can be grateful for because there's always something and that always something is the miracle itself that you are breathing, that some part of you without you thinking it urges you to breathe. When you try to hold your breath as long as you can, there is a part of you that will fight for that next breath.
2: Yeah. No, and that, you know, when I was feeling suicidal, something that really shifted my view, and I'm so grateful for my friend who happened to say this to me, I I was telling my friend Phoenix, who is one of just my mentors and loves of my life, I said, yeah, I... I just don't know if I want to be here anymore. And, and you know, a lot of people would be like, oh, don't say that. That's I didn't say that to a lot of people because I was afraid I would really freak them out. And it was scary to say even to myself. But I, I shared this with her and her response was, OK, so are you really done? Like, are you, she was like supportive in a weird way. She was like mm-hmm. she was just with me. She said, OK, so are you really are you really ready to, to leave? And when I really, when someone just said that to me, like, are you really ready to leave? Some part of me said no, even though a big part of me said yes. So that was another reminder. And I feel like for anyone who might feel suicidal or who might have a voice in their head saying, I don't want to be here anymore. I want to die. That is actually very human. It's very normal. It is a part of our psyche, the death instinct. It's another Jungian. I forget the actual, like, there's a Latin term for it, but we have it. it. It means a part of us wants to die. A part of us wants to die and transform. It's not doesn't mean we actually physically want to die. So a part of me was so fed up with myself, I wanted to die. But another part of me didn't. And I heard that voice at that moment. And just hearing my own self say, no, I'm not ready to leave, gave me enough of something that I needed to just hold on, until I knew how I could stay. Because I didn't know at that point how I was supposed to stay, but I knew I wasn't ready to leave. So what did that mean? And so that's another reminder of don't only listen to one voice. Mm
1: -hmm. Make
2: sure that every single voice is saying something like that. I mean, before you make a decision like that to end your life, be sure that that is really the truth. And I think most of the time we're just some part of us is in so Mm -hmm. much pain, That it, um, that it feels like it's like, this is it. But I'm so grateful that I was able to tap into like, no, some part of me was dying, but some part of me was definitely, my God, I hadn't even feel like I hadn't even lived. Honestly, the woman I am now, like I'm still who I always was, but I am, I am a whole new version of me kind of V2, um, I'm so glad that I allowed the parts that needed to die to die. Mm -hmm. I really am. You know, like that chrysalis. It's like when the caterpillar goes into the cocoon, it actually melts into this soup. And then the butterfly that forms out of that soup is this... You can't even believe it's the same being. Yeah, it's
0: not that the caterpillar grows wings. It's the caterpillar dissolves to an amorphous form before... Growing into the butterfly. Yeah, that that part of you dies. Oh, gorgeous. Gorgeous, Svetlana. Well, I want to end this with two things. First, I want to say that as much as Svetlana and I have been excited about talking about all the things that we do to feel great, you know, we both struggle all the time with all of these things and have so many hard days. And um, I'm so grateful that you're in my life because you have been our our pen pal ship. And now when we call each other and FaceTime each other from across the world um, Mm. has become just a support and and you've become part of my tribe that helps through this process.
2: Mm. Oh, I feel the same way. Truly, Thank you. Thank you. And you're so welcome. Yeah. Our pen and writing and connecting and sharing has... It's really... It has profoundly changed me and opened up my heart. And also, you've shown me so much of the kind of man hmm. like within myself that I want to tap into and female because you have such beautiful feminine and masculine energy. And it's just... God, it's inspiring. It's so hmm. beautiful. And, and it's also really nice to be able to share... The ups and the downs. I know that I could reach out to you when I am feeling like I'm in the gutter or when I'm feeling like I'm on top of the fucking world. And that is also so key. I just thought the other day, you know who your true friends are, your true people are are not just the people you can reach out to when you're in pain that's very important but who are the people who celebrate the shit out of you when you are just loving yourself who you can call and just be like ah, I love my like I love myself and my life yes. and it's amazing and so to be that person is so amazing uh, so I, I'm you. grateful to you because you remind me of how important that is because you do that for me and I want to do that for the people I love.
1: Hmm.
0: You're so welcome. You do do that. (laughs) Last thing. Is there a specific challenge? If you gave someone who listened to this whole thing one thing to go try this Mm. week.
2: I think the, the challenge is the next time that you hear your own self saying, you can't do something or that's not possible, the next time you hear that voice in your head stopping you from anything you really feel like you want to question it, to just acknowledge you hear it and also start paying attention. If you're willing to try this as a little exercise, every time you hear that voice in the next week, uh, just jot down a little one and then two. And then three, count how often you are stepping on your own dream, your own want. And watch how pissed you're going to get at the end of the week. Allow yourself to get angry at how much you're stopping yourself, and then consider doing something about it.
1: Mm.
2: I'm always happy, by the way, to talk to anyone about the journey of coaching. If anything has inspired you, and you really just like ready, but you don't know exactly what it looks like and you might have some fear around it. That's okay. It's very normal. No one knows the how. No one I've ever worked with knows the how. The how gets figured out. It's just become aware, have some vision for yourself, and trust that you're also getting this message at exactly the right moment when you're supposed to get it.
0: And where can people find you?
2: Oh, my goodness. Well, I am on the internet so yes. <laughs> this thing called the internet, you can find me on my website, which is just my full name, spetlanaseitsky.com. I'm sure we'll write it in wherever we're writing things. Um, you know, Facebook, all that. Well, we'll put all of my social stuff online, but Correct. feel free. I always am happy to take, you know, 20 minutes and have a conversation with someone as long as you're, again, if you're really curious and committed to learning more about strengthening the relationship with yourself and then with the world through that then that is a conversation I'm always willing to have. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. Love you. Love you! (laughs) Yes, I am pumped up. Thank you so much to Svetlana. Her challenge for all of us is to really notice the next time you find your own self telling you that you can't do something, stopping you from dreaming, Make a note of every time your mind does this, that voice tells you no, that voice that tells you you can't. Count in a week how many times you do. Make a tally somewhere and see if that leads you. Looking at how many times you do this to yourself in a day and in a week, see how that leads you to feel and see if it makes you want to change the relationship that you have with yourself. See if it gives you a new awareness what part of you is stepping on your own dreams. Thanks, Svetlana. Thank you as always to Aulichino for the music. Thank you to No Sin Records for the production. Thank you for listening. Hakuna Matata, you sexy animals.